Well, the Brown family was far from this ideal. Neither parents showed a high regard for Susan. Mary was unbalanced in the way she focused mainly on Susan's negative qualities. Harry was apparently blind to Susan's potential for evil. He could find an excuse for almost anything she did. This hindered his relationship with Mary. She saw it as a personal rejection of her perspective and an unwillingness to provide the discipline that Susan really needed. Harry's apparent blind spots were also a detriment to Susan. You don't correct one imbalance by creating another. Susan was not learning from either parent how to evaluate herself accurately, nor was she being taught to take responsibility for her own attitudes and responses. She was not being encouraged to handle problems and sins in a biblical way. On the surface, Harry appeared to respect Susan, but by not encouraging her to think biblically about herself or others, he was actually showing low expectations of her. The truth was that if Harry and Mary wanted to help Susan grow God's way, they both needed to adopt a more biblical, realistic, balanced view of their daughter. A key teaching of Psalm 128 and verse 3 is that your children are to be like olive plants around your table. Before God, you, and not the state or the school or even the church, are responsible for providing for your children. Look at Psalm 23 and verse 4 and 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8. You as parents are to nurture them for God. This nurturing includes their physical, mental, social, emotional, and spiritual needs. You may employ the help of others in fulfilling these needs, but in the final analysis, God says the buck stops with you. You must either provide for your children personally or secure assistance in doing so. Either way, you must supervise the process and do your utmost to see that your children's needs are adequately met. Now, all of this assumes that you will spend quality time with your children. After all, being around your table implies that you're there as well. No absentee parenting. You can't know the needs of your children unless you give them your focused attention. You've got to study them, listen to them, talk to them, play with them, think with them and about them, and pray over them if you're going to know what provision they need from your table. The picture of your children like olive plants around your table conveys the idea of fellowship and loyalty. It suggests that 
building your family God's way, as Ephesians 6.4 says that parents must do, this will involve developing family cohesiveness and togetherness. Unfortunately, this kind of togetherness or family spirit does not just happen. You can't wish it into existence. It must be cultivated. But how? I'd like to offer some suggestions. You can foster a spiritual loyalty and togetherness in your family by making Christ the focal point of your family relations. Commitment to Christ should bind the family not only to Christ, but to each other. You also help them grow up as olive plants around your table that are making contributions by communicating realistic optimism and expectancy for each of your children. Don't express by word or action that you've given up on any family member or that you are resigning him or her to failure. Valuing the opinion of every family member and giving all family members time to express themselves and their ideas, to allow for a free exchange of thoughts without condemnation or ridicule. You must project the positive feeling that all family members should complement and complete one another. Building a museum of positive family members' memories is so important. Play games with your children. Involve them in your activities. Enjoy each child individually. Keep a memory box for each child. Develop family traditions. Take advantage of prime times. In the morning when they get up, after school in the evening, on Saturdays, on vacations. Make sure you have time to play with them, to walk with them, to talk with them, to enjoy them and have them enjoy you. Develop family traditions. Take advantage of prime times. Do the unusual with your children. Make big deals out of the special occasions. Make special occasions where there are no occasions outside of the occasion that you're planning. Let different members plan vacations with you, help you to plan vacations or other events. Get them involved. Develop family pride, not pride outside of the family, but family pride where they really think highly of their family and of other family members. Talk about the strengths and accomplishments of various family members. Become authentically like Christ and display in your life the fruit of the Spirit. It's hard not to respect and be attracted to someone of whom this is true, that they're bearing the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, self-control, gentleness. 
Determine the family discipline guidelines. Plan ahead of time that such kinds of behavior, there will be some kind of correction and teach them why it's right and why why they should do what they're asked to do. Let them know ahead of time that there will be discipline and what that discipline will involve. Don't joke or jest at the expense of any family member. Don't make fun of them. Discuss adequately major changes in family rules, decisions, and activities. Make sure you avoid physical or psychological child abuse. I didn't say you should avoid discipline. I said avoid the kind of discipline that harms them physically or the kind of uh, treatment that would be psychological damage to them. Become interested in the interest of each family member. What does each child like? What are they really interested in? Get to know their interests. Become interested in those interests. Avoid being overly permissive or overly strict in your discipline. And make sure you include family members in family planning as far as having fun times together, even holidays and vacations. Give each family member freedom to make decisions when you can legitimately do so. Let them make decisions about some things when it's legitimate to do that, when they're capable and they're old enough to be able to think carefully and wisely. And express your love for every family member by your words and by your deeds. Let them know you love them. Let them know you appreciate it when they function well. Be more concerned about Christian attitudes and Christian character than you are about performance or other externals. Administer discipline fairly and do it consistently as well. And look upon every family member as a human becoming as well as a human being. We are all in process. None of us has arrived at perfection yet. Be very sensitive to the needs of each of the children, to their feelings and fears. Be concerned about all of those things for all of your children. Avoid the use of angry or exasperated words. You clumsy person. You never think, you never really help. Avoid the use of those kinds of words that would destroy and devastate the child. Make your home a center for Christian hospitality. Have godly people in that you can have fun with and get to know them. Help your children to come in frequent contact with vibrant Christians. Make your home a center of Christian hospitality. 
where you are having godly people in to get to know your children and your children to get to know them. Develop family projects that involve every family member, things you can do together. Learn how to face family problems and not just ignore them. Forgive the sins and failures, both past and present, of all family members and support them in their failures and help them to learn from those failures and to overcome those failures. Then correlate your schedules to make sure you have time with the children, both the husband and the wife. Schedule regular family times and time when you spend individual time with every member of the family. And when you sin or do something wrong, ask forgiveness of the other person, parents of children, husbands of wives, and parents together of their children. And do appropriate touching and hugging. Avoid inappropriate touching and hugging, but give them a lot of the appropriate kind of touching and hugging. And make sure you clarify the basic responsibilities of family members, what they're supposed to do, what they're not supposed to do. Explain that clearly to the children and also tell them why those are good family behaviors. And then also refuse to use fear or guilt as a means of bringing them into conformity and uniformity. Express confidence in them. Make sure you express confidence in the children. And then, for sure, make the Bible, not your own opinions, the standard for personal and family living. Develop those standards, make them clear to the children, make sure you explain them carefully so that they understand what you really mean. And then, as parents, maintain a deep personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, you must draw one another together. Let Jesus Christ live in you and he becomes attractive to them. Give them an example of what a Christian should be and how a Christian should live and how a Christian should speak, how a Christian should not live and how a Christian should not speak. And become involved in Christian activities, Christian activities as a family. And worship God as a family in your home, in family devotions, and also in the church. It's a church going is a family affair. Go and become involved and then discuss the sermons, the teachings that you get at church. And don't spend time condemning people, slandering people, speaking evil of the pastor and of others. But look for people that you can commend as examples to your children. Then also pray regularly for every family member individually 
and as mother and father, make sure you pray for your children as a whole, the family as a whole. Following these guidelines will create an environment that will help you to build your family God's way. It will help your children to be like olive plants around your table. That's exactly what the Bible says. They're to be like olive plants around your table. Well, olive plants need some tending. They need some fertilizer. They need some water. They need someone to take care of them. Now, in reference to that, let me give you as uh, husband and wife and mother and father some application assignments. These assignments should be done individually and then make sure you as husband and wife discuss them with each other and you might even sit down and discuss them with your children if that's appropriate. Number one, reflect on or if necessary review what we discussed on this podcast of what it means to be a home in which you raise your children to be olive plants around your table. What does that signify? How can you do that? And then what are some reasons that people give for not having children? The question is, are there legitimate reasons for a couple not to have children? If so, what are those legitimate reasons that are backed up by Scripture? And then answer the question, discuss the question. What happened in the Brown family when Mary Brown was coerced into having children? What was meant by the statement that there's a sense in which every Christian couple can have children? How can you appropriately help others to raise their children? How can you help others and how could others help you? How can and do others help you? What does the fact that children are compared to olive plants, not weeds or bramble bushes, what does that indicate about the way we should regard our children. And then, why is a person's attitude toward children so important in the question of having and raising children? And still further, how does the Lord Jesus Christ illustrate by his example or teaching the high regard that he had for children? And I gave one illustration previously in this podcast. Look it up in the Bible and discuss it. And then, what are two extremes we must avoid when viewing our children? Two extremes that we must avoid when viewing our children. If you were listening carefully, I indicated them in my podcast. And then another question, discuss it. What does the fact that children are compared to olive plants, not trees, indicate about the needs of children? What do olive plants need 
from their caretakers? What do children need from their parents? And still another discussion question. How do parents sometimes violate the allied plant concept of parenting and of child relations? What are the two mistakes that parents often make in this regard? Think of illustrations in the Bible or in your own experience, personal experience or by observation, of when and how this concept, this olive branch and olive plant concept has been disobeyed. And identify how this violation has affected the children. And then another discussion question is, what two concepts do the words around your table denote about building your family God's way? What do they denote about the children? What do they denote about the parents? And then, Meditate on the suggestions for building your family God's way that I added at the end of the teaching portion of this podcast. I gave a number of important precepts or concepts that you should discuss. Whether you're doing those things, if you're neglecting them, why you neglected them, and plan how to change So discuss those suggestions about how you can avoid doing the wrong thing and also how you can more fully do the right thing. Take each of those statements and use the following rating scale to evaluate your parenting quotient for each of your children. Do you do it regularly? Do you do it often? Do you do it occasionally? or seldom or never. Take each of the concepts that I mentioned and go over them. Listen to the podcast again to get those concepts or get my book, Strengthening Your Marriage. And in that book, Strengthening Your Marriage, there are many things that are discussed in the children's section that you should avoid doing to your children and many other things that you should avoid doing with your children. Get that book and discuss it with each other as a husband and a wife, a mother and a father, and then go to your children, perhaps in family devotions, and talk about those various things and ask them to rate you in terms of whether they think you're doing those things effectively or whether they think you're doing those things at least in part. And then let me give you some Bible verses that describe parent-child relationships. Now, I would suggest you get a a pen, piece of paper, and you write down these Bible verses. Again, they'd be found in my book, uh, Strengthening Your Marriage. It'd also be found in the book, uh, Sweethearts for a Lifetime. There's a section in there on parenting with I think 36, 37, may as many, maybe perhaps as many as 39 different biblical principles 
they're important for raising children and go over them and evaluate yourself in terms of whether or not you're fulfilling them good um, or just average or whether you're failing to raise your children in that way. And then here are some Bible verses for you to read and discuss what they say about parenting. First is Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. What does that passage have to suggest about parenting? And then Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Proverbs 4, verses 1 and 2. And Proverbs chapter 5, verses 7 through 23. That's a rather lengthy passage, and it has much to say about raising children properly. Proverbs chapter 5, verses 7 through 23. What can you learn about parenting from that passage? And then Proverbs chapter 6, verses 1 through 35. Again, it's a very long passage. Read it and then go back over and look at all of the verses to discern what it has to say that is applicable to your parenting efforts. That's Proverbs chapter 6, verses 1 through 35. And then move on to Proverbs chapter 7, verses 1 through 27. You can stop this podcast for a minute as you look at these passages and as you discuss them, and then come back and I'll give the next passage after we have given you a little bit of time to look at Proverbs 7, verses 1 through 27. Or you might just want to write them down and then come back to these passages uh, after you get finished with the podcast. And then another important passage would be Proverbs chapter 10, verses 1 and 5. Proverbs chapter 10, verses 1 and 5. And then there's Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 1. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 1. And then Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 24 contains an extremely important uh, parenting principle. Proverbs 13 and verse 24. And then Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 1. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 1. And Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 27. Proverbs 15, verse 27. And then Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 18. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 18. And then Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6. Proverbs 22 and verse 6. Then Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 15. Proverbs 22 and verse 15. And Proverbs chapter 22, verse 13. Proverbs 22, verse 13. Proverbs chapter 23, verses 15 and 16. Proverbs 23, verses 15 and 16. 
And then Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 24. Look at each of these passages and draw as much as you can out of them that relates to biblical principles of parenting. And then Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 8. Proverbs 27, verse 8. Proverbs 29 and verse 15. Proverbs 29, verse 15. Proverbs 29, verse 17. Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 15. Proverbs chapter 31, verse 21. Proverbs chapter 31, verse 21. And then just a few verses later, Proverbs chapter 31, verse 27. Proverbs 31, 27. And then the next verse, Proverbs chapter 31, verse 28. Proverbs 31, verse 28. And then... Here's another passage a little earlier in the Bible in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. And then a key New Testament verse. In fact, two of them. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 21 and 1 Corinthians or rather 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 15. 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 15. And then 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 7, 8 and 11. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 7, 8, and 11. And then 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 5. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 15. And I would suggest that you look up these passages and then as a husband and wife discuss them. And it may be that it would even be uh, appropriate for you to look up some of the verses and discuss them with your children so that they understand what is a biblical perspective on parenting, what they can and should expect of their parents. Then another question you could discuss, and I hope you will. What do you do if a child resorts to tantrums, to pouting, to screaming, to mumbling under his or her breath, or a child becomes abusive with parents or with children, or what do you do if a child just walks out on you, refuses to stay and discuss with you? Or if the child pounds on the wall or kicks the wall or kicks you or kicks other children? Do you 
react the same way with each child. It's the way you discipline one child, the same as you discipline all of your children. Here's another question. Talk about it. When you ask one of your children to do something, how often do you ask? How often do you ask? Do you ask the same thing again and again? If they don't hear you the first time, you ought to be asking the question, why don't they hear me? And what should I do so that they listen to me? Because if they don't listen to you, it's very likely they're not listening to others as well. We had one children of our children who said that the reason he did so well in school, he went on, of course, to university, and then he went on to law school, and he's now a lawyer. And he said one of the reasons he did so well in school, and he did well, was because he had to listen. He learned to listen in church. He also learned to listen in our family. And what happened as far as the family is concerned, uh, why it taught him how to listen when he was in a classroom situation or when he was in a conversation with others as well. So if a child has a hard time and doesn't seem to really hear you, and you ask yourself the question, why? What must be done to help children to do that? And then, when a child has a hard time fulfilling assignments, you ask them to do something, you give them assignments, and they don't fulfill them in a responsible fashion, what do you do? Do you react the same way with each of your children? And then, Think about this and talk about it as a husband and wife, mother and father. How is each child alike or unlike you? How is your your child like you or unlike you? In his personality, in his attitudes, in his values, in his relationships, in his goals, in his actions or reactions, in his speech, in his interests, or ways of handling situations. Discuss that. How is the child like or unlike you in those various areas? Personality, attitudes, values, relationships, goals, actions, reactions, in his speech, his interests, or his ways of handling various situations. And then here's another discussion question for you as a mother and father. Do you and your mate agree on what you expect of each child as far as chores are concerned, responsibilities are concerned, behavior, in terms of their manners? Do you agree on what you expect of each child? Or is your standard for a different child different? If so, what's the reason for that difference? Do you discipline all your children in exactly the same way? Why do you do that? Or why shouldn't you do it? And as a husband and wife, mother and father, note any areas of disagreement, discuss that, pray about it, and come to common understanding of the way you're going to raise your children. 
or you have any areas of disagreement about the way you're relating to the children. Listen to one another. Don't argue about it, fight about it, but listen to one another and learn why you are either agreeing or why you're disagreeing. And if you're disagreeing, what kind of an effect is this having on your children? And then what do you do that may be or at least may be perceived by the child as being disrespectful, unloving, disloyal, selfish, unconcerned, or stubborn. Talk about each of your children. What is it that they're doing that you consider to be disrespectful, unloving, disloyal, selfish, unconcerned, or stubborn? Then, as mother and father, husband, wife, Reflect on your relationship with each child. What kind of relationship do you have with each child? And note the high and low points of your relationship. When they were high, when they were low. And why they were that way. What made them high points in your relationship or what made them low points? What was happening at that time? And then... Discuss what are the abilities, qualities, assets, and interests of each child. Just think about and discuss, come to an agreement about the abilities that each of your children have, the qualities that are found that are good qualities, what are their assets. And what are the interests of each child? How are they alike and how are they different? And how do you encourage each of your children to develop these features, the qualities they have, the good qualities, to get rid of the bad qualities, to develop their assets or their interests? And then what are the weaknesses? the problems and unchristlike features of each child. Evaluate them. And what has been your response to these unchristlike features of the child? What have you done? What do you do? And then another question. What do you do that makes it easy for each child to open up with you, to freely discuss with you what's going on, to respect you, to think of you as someone who is approachable. Your children think of you as approachable. If not, why not? And what do you do that may hinder them in coming to you and really discussing things with you and being open and honest with you? And then I would suggest this is a good one for you to suggest. Think about the best parents that you know. And write down everything you observe as strengths in them. And in their relationship with their children. What are their strengths in terms of their children? What are their weaknesses? And if you were to describe your family life with one word... 
what would that one word be? And why would you describe your family life in that way? Discuss it. Be calm. You want to do that which would be helpful. Not condemning one another, but you want to be helpful because both of you are involved in this parenting process. And then write down your goals for your family life. What are your goals for your family life? What do you hope to help your children to be and your family to be? What is your philosophy of family in terms of how the family should function and what the family should do and how it should perform? Do this. Pray about it and come to an agreement on that. And an answer to this question, here's a rule in our home that I'd like to change. If there aren't any rules that you'd like to change, then fine, you can ignore it. But if there are rules you'd like to change and discuss why you want to change it, would you want to change that particular rule too? And then discuss this. Our family relations would be better if. Our family relations would be better if. And then each of you contribute what you think would make your family relations better. And then two more. I wish our family would. I wish our family would. And each of you contribute what your family, what you'd like your family to do. And perhaps you'd want to bring that up at some time, even to your children. Some of these would be applicable to them and have them involved in the discussion. But first of all, the husband and wife should discuss these things. And then, in our family, God is. Just what is God in your family? Is he important? Is he a second-class citizen? Is he not talked about? Is he not part of what establishes your values and what you do with one another? In our family, God is. And you might want to ask the children how they think God fits into your family structure. Well, a lot of those things are very helpfully... um, uh, found in the book Strengthening Your Marriage, especially the family section. And uh, you also find, uh, uh, I think I have about 37 or 38 biblical principles for raising children that are listed in our book Sweethearts for a Lifetime. It's a section on parenting. There's a big section on marriage and the husband-wife relations and the role of the husband, the role of the wife. There's a section on uh, the purpose of the family. What purpose did God have in establishing the family? How should the husband-wife relate to one another and so forth? But there's also a section on raising children and you might want to, as a husband-wife, take some time, maybe a couple days, when you just go away by yourself or you get alone by yourself even at home 
and go through that book, looking up Bible passages and discussing how you should function as husbands, wives, and mothers and fathers, and particularly in relationship to your children. So, that's the olive plant concept, which is found in Psalm 128. And I would suggest that you get that uh, Bible out and look up the passages that I've mentioned and talk about these things and use the book Strengthening Your Marriage, Your Family. And there's a section for husbands, a section for wives. There's a section on communication. There's a section there on sex. There's a section there on money and finances. And then there's a section also on raising children. And so you might want to uh, just set aside a couple of days when you go through that, read it together, discuss the various Bible passages, come to some conclusions, delineate some principles, uh, identify where you're doing it right according to the Word of God, and then identify where you need to improve according to the Word of God to build your family God's way. All right, so much for uh, this podcast. And in the next podcast, we'll pick it up and go on, get into the area. Actually, we'll begin to get into the area of communication, how husbands and wives and parents and children should actually communicate with one another. That's so important in terms of developing and sustaining relationships in the home or in the family. All that comes from the book, Your Family, God's Way, which is published by Presbyterian Reform Publishing Company, or more commonly known as PNR Publishing Company. And God bless you as you seek to build your family God's way according to the Word of God.